This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Second podcast of the year. I cannot believe we're in 2023. I wrote a check today. Oh, you did? I had to go, wait, 20, 2022. Did you have to cancel it and initial the date? I didn't. Okay, I did, good. But I did. But I had to go slow because we're Just in 2023. Think now. Yes, no exactly. muscle memory. So, so here we are. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. We have to start on a, on a sad note because it has been the talk of the car community for this entire week. Shortly after we recorded our podcast on Monday for Tuesday of this week, he's a local and a legend. Ken Block died tragically in our local area, like 20 minutes from where we record is where he died. We're gutted over this news, as is the entire world. And all we could think about individually, Todd, you, Chance, I was just thinking about the ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And our hearts go out to his wife and his family, and we wish blessing and comfort upon his family and the Hoonigan family. And I also feel like Everybody whose lives he touched is also family yeah, in and, a and strange way because yes. the stories have just come out about mm-hmm. what a gracious guy he was and how friendly he was. And unfortunately, we never got him on the podcast. We would have liked to because yeah, he, yeah. he was a local. But it's, uh, you know, circumstantial and one of those things. For sure. And just, I mean, really, uh, and we mentioned it on our Instagram, not only just gutting and, and painful for those of us in the car community that Ken did amazing stuff for and with and entertained, but also felt very weird for us personally because we, we pass the Hoonigan race shop going back and forth to these mm-hmm. other's houses. Yeah. This is as local as it gets for us, yeah. which was even crazier. And here's a guy who, as we all know, did so many amazing things, so many, frankly, dangerous things. <laughs> yeah. And he was killed tragically on his day off hanging out with friends. I, I still can't believe it. I know the Agreed. rest of you can't believe it either. It's yeah. still just yeah. gutting to us. We want to remember him and Absolutely. Uh, thank yeah. him for all he did. And I'm glad he was... Doing things that he liked, you know. What more can a man ask? Agreed. Right? And he and it was with clear friends. that it was a he was a positive guy in the lives of yeah. everybody he was with. Absolutely. And, and that struck me a lot in this past week because that itself is a rarity. Because invariably, currently, certainly in the current culture, invariably when someone dies because they're old enough to die or because it's sudden and tragic like mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. they're always the naysayers like, well, I'm glad. They're glad they're gone. There's always those people yeah, in the yeah. current culture. Sure. There's been none of that. I agree. As there shouldn't be. But Nobody there's been none of that. Yeah. Everybody has been like, this was a great guy. And I'm, I'm so struck because he has kids my son's age. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, I, I feel I hurt for his family. I really do. Me too. Our friend goes to Miata. On Instagram, asked for our favorite Jim Connor film. Oh, and many of you I know have already gone back and watched his films. Mm-hmm. And the best thing we can do about the passing of our loved ones is talk about them. I mm, realized that out of after my own mother's passing, mm, the best mm, way we can remember mm. them is continue to talk about them, remember them, and remember the love and remember mm. the experiences and the time. So the best way to do that with Ken is to go back and watch his Jim Connors. Mm. And for me, it was definitely the L.A. shoot, but also the Pikes yeah. Peak shoot. I watched mm. the Pikes Peak shoot through and through again, in awe again. Yeah. And it's almost like everybody doing drifting. You know, I know there's other 
very talented drifters in their own right sure, around of course. the world, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. But it, you know, we'll always be thinking of Ken every yeah. time you see yeah. a drift video or somebody drifting. We'll be thinking of him for sure. And, and I, all we can do is talk about him. Favorite for me remains San Francisco. Oh yeah? I, yeah. I I like Pikes Peak. I like LA. San Francisco for me, they never topped that one. That one Interesting. I, I, I watched okay. the entire time. Every, this is the production guy and me going, how did they get that road? <laughs> and I had yeah. thoughts like this, how annoyed are the neighbors that they did that 15 times? <laughs> right. you know, I kept thinking about those things. I kept thinking, this is going to sound oh, weird. I kept gosh. thinking about the kids that are going to walk to school through tire tracks in their That's neighborhood true. in San and Francisco. And you know what they'll say? You know? Ken was here. Yes, exactly. I watched the video. I saw the part of the so video where I, this happened. San Francisco for me oh, is above man. and beyond, but yeah. there's so many good ones. Wow. Well, moving on, we've got a ton of news to discuss. Mm-hmm. Most notably, Andretti Global t- teaming up with GM with their Cadillac division to enter Formula One, mm. probably not before 2026, but I am actually excited by this news because it gives, well, it takes away all the reasons for the FIA to decline this entry mm. because an American brand, American racers, and mm-hmm. both Andretti's, Michael and Mario, were former F1 drivers. They have extensive experience in the sport, as they do other, you know, yeah, yeah. champ car racing and IndyCar racing. I think this is a fantastic idea. I think it would bring in many new sponsors and many new eyeballs and many new fans of the sport. Well, I mean, F1 has been exploding here in the U.S. because of the the Drive to Survive series on Netflix has has made it something that Americans care about. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, now we have the Vegas race coming. By the way, side note, have you seen? I've seen two things. Caesars Palace and The Win both have, I'm not kidding. If you're not sitting down right now, please sit down. Both of those hotels have a $1 million package for you to come to the F1 race. And it's like parties and special dinners. And a, but a it's not just suite. one per hotel. It's if many people would like that million oh, dollar package, they yes. will say yes. Oh, my gosh. The, the amount of money it's going to cost <laughs> to just attend that race, I have already decided. Even though Vegas is not far away, I'm going to happily stay home. <laughs> I will watch I it will on happily TV. watch it on TV. But, but this is the thing, though. GM, and I'm kind of surprised it's Cadillac Division, but okay, GM and the Andrettis making an American F1 team. This further embeds it in U.S. culture. I, I think it makes agreed, a lot of sense. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Cadillac has an extensive racing history. They do. A very successful racing history. Yes, true. In, in WC and a mm-hmm. lot of cars throughout the years, I think it makes sense. You know, if you go back and look at all the Cadillac race cars, especially Le Mans, and you're going, yeah, I do see it. You can see some race history there. I think there's going to be a lot of people in other countries going, Cata who now? But the Andretti's <laughs> are going to make sense. So, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Also, apparently, Sony and Honda have joined up to create a new car brand called Afila, A-F-E-E-L-A. Are you feeling this? Have they not heard of Elvis Presley? Uh, Afila, a new car brand coming on. <laughs> no, the jokes write themselves. Johnny Cash, I mean, at the Deep South. Afila? Yes. Afila. Yes. This expresses feels, all the feels. Oh, my god. It is gosh. the center of the mobility experience considered by Sony Honda Mobility. People will feel the, the sensation of interactive oh. mobility. Mobility which can detect and understand people and society. It can understand society. I mean, if you come up with something that understands society, <laughs> all, the, all the chips go to you then. For sure, yes. It will use, utilize sensing and AI technology, said Yasuhide Mizuno, Sony Honda Mobility Chief Executive. I have a better name than Afila. Just about anything else that was on the whiteboard is a better name, <laughs> well, frankly. True. yeah. But this is Sony's first entry into the car market. How Uh-oh. about my first Sony? I- <laughs> 
was waiting. I Am I wrong? Going there. You're right. You're right. How, yeah. Come on. I my, mean, well, Sony, or, Sony face is better. Or, or my, my first EV. Bring it. Yeah. All the names. Yeah. All the ones that you crossed out the, the, and erased. The, the Sony Carman. We did the Walkman. Sure. Now we have the Carman. Even better. <laughs> Afila. Oh. It is our mission in life to make fun of the car brands, even though this is still number two to Stellantis. I still feel like Stellantis, Stellantis is takes still, the cake. Stellantis is still some sort of alien race yes, thing but happening. Now but yes. I'm feeling the Stellantis. Afila is all bad. No. I, this was, Why? You know this was a workshop name, and I cannot yes. believe that's where they ended up. And you would hope, you would hope that they're going to pivot away from that. <laughs> Quick, do it now. Pivot. Gosh. Quickly. <laughs> I, no. The, the, the level of jokes, I think, have only just begun. Hey, is that a new car, Bob? Yeah, it sure is. Uh, what is it? It's um, <clears throat> Afila. I'm you, sorry, what? You feel what now? Are Afila? you sick? What's Are going you okay, on? okay, Bob? Afila. What? Never heard of it. Well, it's this. Uh, never, never mind. mind. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> also, we've got Griot's Garage News. Richard has announced that he is passing the torch. The company that he founded, and after 32 years of mm. dedicating his life of building Griot's Garage into the premier car care brand of the world, which we agree, yep. he is passing the baton to his son, Nick Griot. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Richard, for all you've done, and congratulations, Nick, on becoming yeah. the CEO of Griot's Garage. We're grateful for your friendship and your support. We're thrilled to be part of your journey and mm-hmm. growth, and we're also very glad to be able to share the Griot's Garage brand with all of you. Yes, for sure. And we have hung out with both of these guys individually and collectively for the last few years that they've been a sponsor of the show. We've had some sort of fun adventure like every year with the two of them. So we've watched not only the two of them and the business growing, but we've watched their interaction as father and son. And we've we've seen the, the steps of this as Richard was getting ready to hand this off to mm-hmm. Nick. And the last time we saw Richard, this had just happened, but before the announcement. Yeah. And I don't know another way to describe this but he was lighter he was light he was just like i am so he he was thrilled to be handing the company off to nick he was proud of nick and he was also like what am i gonna do now he was a kid which was really cool and nick is a great guy and a fantastic person lead him forward so we're just excited about more adventures with those guys too absolutely did you see this though ces is happening right now which means how do i put this nicely We don't like to talk about, or let me put it, I'll, I'll be more personal. I don't like to talk about concept cars because we're just playing around. And You're not a feeling it? I'm not a feeling it. Yeah, exactly. I, Have I, you not heard of Elvis Presley? Show me a car that I can drive and I'll talk to you about it. But the car that you think might be coming, I'm like, uh-huh, show me when it's here. Cybertruck. So the thing about CES is. <laughs> it seems like that was a shot. It's, it's, CES is that for all technology. And some of it will come. Mm-hmm. It's the Consumer Electronics Show, one of the biggest shows in Vegas. It didn't seem a like battle for who brings in the most people, which is a lot. But <laughs> some of the to, stuff yeah. at CES becomes stuff that you have in your life. And some of it is just like, we're dreaming, but we're going to make it sound like it'll be here tomorrow and it'll never be here. But as a result of that, as cars are becoming more and more electric and electronic all kind of car makers like to do reveals there, which is why we're a feeling it. We got to come back, but it's never going to end. Ram mm-hmm. has just released their electric revolution pickup concept. Now the keyword there is concept, <laughs> but this is Dodge Ram 
Stellantis, the Stellantarians, yes. are showing you what they think their pickup competitor will be to the Silverado EV that is about to come out, the Ford Lightning that's already out. This is their contribution, and it's keeping their styling cues that they have kind of with the TRX and that kind of stuff, but sure. going sure. that mixed with Tron is what this is. I can definitely see that, and I understand car concepts because it gets the design team excited. It gets mm-hmm. the CEO, well, gives them something to talk about mm-hmm. for the future, mm-hmm. and hopefully gets customers excited for what's coming, even though many times it's, here's the concept, and here's the, you know... <laughs> the boring one we actually made. The, the thing that you really didn't want that's kind of related mm-hmm. to the concept a little bit, but rarely does the concept make it in terms of styling. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, the concept is designed after the production car. I know you've told me that. Not always. But in this case, technology needs to be showcased. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, no longer in the EV market do companies need to be first. They need to be better. Uh, Yes, that's that's key. You're right. Nobody needs to be first anymore. The Cayenne was not first. True. It was practically dead last. Almost, yeah. Yeah, Wow, did they do a great job. Standing around, looking at what everybody else is doing. That's great. Let's refine what we're going to do and Mm. release it when it's ready. Mm. So I feel a little bit, even though this is a concept, that's what Ram has done. Mm -hmm. Rivian's out. The Chevrolet Chevrolet, uh, Silverado EV is out. Many pickup trucks are on the market. EVs, they're already here. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Tesla Cybertruck, to your point, has is old news. It was pack. it was first. It's you can't the see the air quotes. It was first but, as one. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. But this does feel like much of this could translate to production if they uh-huh. build a gas powered version of this to begin with, or this influences their future mm-hmm, trucks mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. They will not be able to make enough of them. But what I like about this is two things, not just the concept itself and mm-hmm. the details, but the styling. There's a particular styling theme that is the most simple thing ever. It's a very clean, sharp bone line bisecting the middle of the body mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. that takes the visual weight and mass out of the truck. And then there's the steering wheel. Mm. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> it feels like a connection to trucks and what everybody loves about pickup trucks. Sure. And yet let's push tech forward and offer something that will work. Hopefully work. I say that now. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it works. It's concept. Here we are. Hoping it disclaimer, works. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Yep. But I like it a lot. I think it's an excellent move by them. It's mm-hmm. getting people excited about the Ram brand and where it's going. And uh, Stellantis, you're doing all right. Well, but they also got this similar response. And we, and we talked about it then as well when they did the Banshee. Mm-hmm. which we've since seen in person. We saw it at the SEMA show, and I was, more than anything, it still looks cool in person, but this is what, when the Challenger becomes electric, what does it do? Or the Challenger Charger, the current ones, what right. happens if you go electric? Right. And this was their concept. One of the things I was most shocked by, and of course we haven't seen this we Ram pickup in person, it. I was mm. shocked by it, is that it's enormous. The Banshee was huge. It's huge, but it can be. Mm-hmm. It fits with the Dodge brand. Yes, that's true. And it won't be, I mean, it'll be heavy, but it won't be slow. It won't be that is the reality of electric. saddled yeah. with mm-hmm. its own weight. It'll True. be able to overcome True. it. And therefore, sure, all right, let's make it big. Craziness. Let's do that. And, of course, you'll be wondering how to work the word fratzog into every sentence. Once you hear the word, it, you won't be able to get it out of your mind. So, fratzog. <laughs> Brandon H. is in the interior of Alaska. That's not an email we've gotten before. It is not. He's in the market for a car. And he currently works at a remote location and is bussed to the site for a two-week shift. Wow. Brandon, I'm guessing you work on the slope for two weeks on, two weeks off. Probably. By the way, everybody who works on the slope or works out in Dutch Harbor, 
they're all tan. Well, practically, because they live in Cancun and Arizona and Florida, and they, they just commute to work. Two <laughs> weeks on, two weeks <laughs> off. So if you see somebody really tan and walking through the Anchorage airport on their way to Dutch Harbor, you're like, aha. <laughs> That's funny. I hadn't thought about you that. You just That's work in Dutch funny. Harbor, and you live in Mexico. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> on a beach shut with the cold back to the hot coming back in a couple of weeks that's I very joke, funny but i i bet you live work on the slope hopefully you don't live up there because there's not a lot out there but he says the route has a long hilly stretch following a river plus about 20 miles of flat and straight it's all two-lane highway with a single stop sign along the way wow he's in interior alaska like i said so there'll be snow and ice for a good five to six months of the year okay he's married with four children the oldest of which will be big enough to ride in the front with an airbag soon but not quite yet okay his current stable includes a 1994 GMC K3500. I love this current stable, by the way, because it, it starts kind of normal and it spears <laughs> off into madness. <laughs> this is the 6.5 liter turbo diesel, five speed, three plus three seat farm truck overlander with a slide in camper. He's also got an 87 Ford Bronco 302 four speed. It was free. <laughs> And it didn't run when he got it, uh-huh. but it's now his go-to. So you so, get the idea. So Brandon been, has some skills. It's been his commute car. And he said, but he's going to get rid of it soon. This is, I love this, too. He's going to get rid of it soon because he no longer has much interest in four-wheeling, what it's great at. And when he takes anyone else with him with the top off, he hears one of two things. <laughs> and that's either, it's windy or there's mosquitoes. So the Bronco <laughs> is kind of working its way out of the fleet. Here's where the fleet takes a weird turn. Yes. He's got a 1972 Opel GT 1.9 four-speed. Not a lot of Opel dealers in interior Alaska. <laughs> not a lot of any way to find that car. That's true. Where you, you don't have to be in Alaska for that car to be rare and difficult to service. He mentions in his email, it's a fun car, but not a commuter because of the four-speed and some reliability issues. That is fantastically tactfully put. I'm amazed it runs, say. and there is no question that is not the commute car. But we're not done yet. Brandon also owns a Saab. It's an 87 900 turbo five-speed. Has he talked to your brother about it yet? I think he's should, about should to. Talk, yeah, they Daniel should have a conversation. To talk to him. For sure they should. Apparently the Saab needs an engine rebuild and <laughs> swap from a donor. So that means he's got two Saabs. Which means he's got that's the other thing. He's got two. Because it just casually says, well, yeah, you know, I've got a donor engine. My brother-in-law has two. I know, but well, at least both of those run. This one doesn't even, they run. even runs. Yeah, anyway. Well, he would like to build this into a reliable commuter, but the completion of this project is a couple years out. <laughs> so essentially he has two not working. Saab 900s. Right. At least he lives in interior Alaska, probably has the space. More Chevys are in the fleet. A 2014 Suburban 5.3. This is his wife's car. Okay. And a 99 Silverado 4.8 automatic transmission. And the wife drives this when she needs to use a pickup. So this is a Suburban pickup. Fully okay. backup pickup. Chevy's size. He has the GMC and a Ford. He has the Ford Bronco that he can use. She has access to the Chevy Suburban. And if that's not going to work and she needs some pickup work, there is always the 99 Chevy Silverado. (laughs) What he's looking for is a car that's fun to drive and a little bit unique. Something that will make him look forward to his commute. Okay. He's got a couple options when he needs to haul the whole family, but he'd like to be able to take all the kids. So he says three seats in the back, ruling, rules out a Veloster in 86, an Insight, or a CRZ. Okay. He wants a manual. And he also realizes that he just described his Saab. <laughs> <laughs> of which he has two, neither of which run. I just want to bring that back. Keep, you, you have two coming back to that point. of the car, neither of them run. <laughs> he wants something that won't require too much of his time to maintain so he can focus on other things. Okay. Like the other Saab. The sobs, the, the keep, sobs. keeping the Opal running. These other things. There's there's stuff to do here. 
He expects to put time and money into it, especially because most cars that interest him tend to be 10 plus years old. But he'd rather buy a car for five grand and put 10 grand into it rather than buying something for 15. Brandon, you are not like me. That is an Alaska mindset right there, my friend. (laughs) That is not my mindset either. He doesn't have a ton of market access. So it's more of a game to pick out good options and wait patiently for the right one to come on the market. Yes, but you do have deliveries. True, true, true. You've got Amazon deliveries. You've got FedEx, UPS. You've got DHL probably too. Everything goes through the Anchorage airport. I mean, Anchorage is only six hours from Tokyo. (laughs) It's really close. (laughs) Never thought of it in those terms, but you're right. Yeah, okay, okay. Now, Brandon's looking to spend about 20 grand, maybe more or less, including post-purchase repairs and maintenance. And he plans to keep this car for a long time. And he's willing to be flexible for the right one. Okay. He's looking at a Mark IV Jetta Sportwagon TDI. Okay. A GTI, Fiesta ST, or a mid-2000s Volvo V70. All right. He's heard us talk about hatchbacks a lot, but what about wagons? What are the other options he should consider and any specific years to look for or avoid? I'll Mm. answer that right off the bat, and forums can tell you that. Sure. There will be minutiae on various cars you might pick that we might not be aware of, but uh, certainly the people on the forums will... Instantly let you know. It's like people who do CrossFit, they will let you know within the first minute of con- yes, talking I, to them. I, I, have, they do CrossFit. I do CrossFit. Have you noticed? Have you seen the yes. sticker? Anyway, but, but that's the thing. The forum combined with consumer reports, those two things can give you definitive stuff of, oh, the 08s weren't good. The 07s and 9s were fine, but the 08s are, no, avoid those. That, yes. That's easy to find that out. We want to make it as reliable as we can, Brandon. Okay. I will start off with a GD generation Subaru WRX, maybe the GG. So that's 2003, 2006. You said Mm -hmm. you like 15, 20 year old cars, maybe pushing that a little bit, but a Subaru, a WRX doesn't have to be an STI inexpensive. Theoretically it'll run, but if you maintain those, you should get a lot of miles under your belt and you can bash on them. What's funny is you bring that up and I brought it up too. That was exactly on my list. And, And the key thing is because you can get the WRX wagon. That's true. And then you can get it with went, a Saab badge on it. Uh, that was the next place I went. Oh my Brandon, gosh. we can get you the Saab that is also the WRX. You get a Saab 92X. Now that's going to be harder to find, especially in Alaska. There's your car. But I but that, that's 0506, okay? But even if you don't wind up with that, you wind up with the same generation, the early 2000s or mid 2000s Saab, uh, pardon me, Subaru WRX wagon, I think is your car. But if you can pull it off by getting a 92X with the Saab badge, you have merged your world. There it is. Isn't that the car? That's the car. Yeah. You can have it shipped up there. Uh-huh. You could buy one in the lower 48. Alaskans call the lower 48 outside. You, you, if they're traveling down to the lower uh-huh. 48, they're going outside. You could get it from outside. It, they have them outside. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, Brandon. They're cheap. Yes, they if, are. If you spend 10 or 12 grand, you'll get the nicest one being sold. But they're pretty easy to maintain as far as parts. They're I mean, a super WRX. You're maintaining a WRX. Absolutely. Exactly. You can, there's parts galore for that yeah. thing. And, it, and, and I will say as a former owner, they're fun. And, and here's the thing. They're fun as WRXs or Sobs. But you have that Sob love. That's true. And I hate to say this, Brandon, but you could have a working sob in your, in your driveway. <laughs> oh, that was I, also I'm a shot. I'm sorry, it was a shot. But, but you have two non-working sobs. You could have the sob that runs in the garage, and you could use that as your commuter. And it's a wagon. There's an 05 Volvo V70R six-speed. I'm bringing a trailer right now, Brandon. Mm. You could stay all Scandinavian with your sob collection. And true, true. Get that going. You mentioned the Volvo, which I do like. But what about some other options? You're a GM family, Chevy family. Sure. How about a Chevy SS? True, they're not quite what you want to pay for them, but if it's a little bit newer and you paid more for it, it does solve the equation of not putting time into this car because you have other cars to spend time and money on. Yeah, and and unfortunately, the manuals 
they bring a premium that's probably above your budget, but for you sure. could get an auto. And there's plenty of space for your entire family, all three kids and your wife in that. You'd have a great time in that car. Okay, how about a Pontiac G8? Or sure, a, sure. Pontiac GTO or something. Yes, the, G- the G8. It's not a four-door. The but G8 would be an easy find. That'd be an easy find. Even with the V8, it'd be in his price point. Yeah. I was also thinking about uh, a few other options, just kind of outliers, like a manual Cayenne or an Audi A6 Avant, that mm. 03, that 2.7 liter, I believe is twin turbo monster. They sound really good. They do sound good. The, the, the V6 six-speed manual first-gen Cayenne is a find, and they're, I mean, my, cool. ours has been bulletproof. It's not a manual, but ours has been bulletproof. I mean, they're, they're made for the environment yes, you live in. Yes, for sure. Tested That's a really, I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't gone there. The manual I mean, Cayenne rare, excites me. Yeah. But he did say unique. Yes. Unique can be, like, breaks a lot. It's unique. <laughs> <laughs> but he has that covered. He's That's got true. the Opal. He has the old Sobs. So the 92X hits the unique thing, but a manual Cayenne does unique. So does the G8. So does the SS. You're doing great, man. Yeah, it was like that song, My Achy Breaky Sob. No, from different song. Decade ago, I think. Yeah, that, a few decades back. That's Billy Ray Cyrus, and now I'm horrified. But yeah, <laughs> it's huh? in your head, isn't it? It is. I've, I'm doing it just fine. I thought about the Lexus IS300 manual and then just tossing these ideas out for new cars, GR Corollas and Civic Si. I'd love to see a GR Corolla bombing through the yeah. back roads of Alaska. Sure, yeah. But I, I think you've got some other, other choices to, uh, to go look at. Well done. We all want to talk about the go-fast parts. We're thinking of putting on our vehicles, but what about the stop-fast parts? Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance, and upgrading is better than just simply replacing. You can transform your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with a Power Stop Brake Upgrade Kit that includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware that you need to complete your upgrade. Power Stop is on a mission to provide a complete and affordable brake upgrade kit for pretty much every vehicle on the road. If you tow, they have that. Off-road, track days, they have all that as well. They even have kits for brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes and even improve them by heading to PowerStop.com and entering your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder that'll match you with the right brake kit for your vehicle. We're in the middle of crazy weather in Utah and actually kind of the entire lower 48 U.S. I mean, Alaska gets its own crazy weather, so I'm not going to count that. We're, Brandon's having his own experience. But lower 48s have a lot of crazy weather. And along those lines, right here at the beginning of the year, we get an email from Mike in New Hampshire who's replacing a car that was lost in a flood over Christmas. Well, Mike has owned this 2016 GTI Autobahn since almost new. It's the only car he's owned for that long, and it didn't lose any of its fun factor over the years. And he loved it, but he feels six years is enough to have experienced it, but it was taken before he was ready to have it taken. Mm -hmm. Six years and then promptly drowned. I hate to say it, but that's what happened. He will likely get about 15 grand from insurance. He's got another 10 grand he could add to that for a down payment, and he'd like to stay under $40,000. He could be compelled to go 45,000 because he knew I would get a hold of your car debate. <laughs> he's he's heard of your work, Paul. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. <laughs> My work here is not quite done. Well, he'd prefer used, 5 years older and newer. He's single, no kids, no pets, so pretty few external demands. Okay. There are two opposite directions he could go. If he stays with a car, he'd like it to be relatively small with a manual. Okay. He's thinking Veloster N, GR Corolla. Well, it's a lot more than he wants to spend, even at one at MSRP. But he also mentions the WRX here. He knows it's a go-to here, but he's not interested in WRX. He doesn't want a WRX. He wants something different. Yeah. Second option is going for a truck because Mm. he also owns a 1994 track-prepped Miata and would like to be able to trailer it eventually. So getting a truck here might make sense for him. 
He would miss having something that's the fun daily, but maybe should he buy that truck? He's looking at the Toyota Tacoma. He's also intrigued by the Ford Bronco. Mm. His wild card is a car he's craved since it was released. The Quadrifolio, the Alpha Julio Quadrifolio. Big turn in this email right there. That's nothing like what we've talked about. It it's not really a small, light manual, and it's not pickup. Interesting. Alpha Julia Quadrifolio, which I have to go ahead and say, Mike, is brilliant. It's awesome. You'd love it. It's nothing like anything else you've talked That's about. That's true. He'd need to buy the higher mileage version, whatever that is, a few years old. And so the potential for significant costs in maintenance worries him, but he can't help but think about it. Mm. So he says, if there were a fun car with an automatic like that one, that's good enough. And he might consider leaving his love of manuals for a car like that. Mm, interesting. But it would have to be an engaging automatic like the Alpha or a dual clutch. Yeah. Just wanted to let you know, when we see a paragraph like this, Mike, uh-huh. <laughs> here's all the other options. I really wanted an Alpha Julia Quadrifolio, but let's go ahead and consider all the ones that are not that. Yeah, exactly. Here's the car I really want. Let's talk around that car for the next 20 minutes, which we'll do. We're happy to have a conversation like that, but you really did put a big target on the Julia, and we're kind of going to go, <clears throat> Julia. We'll leave that as option number one. Because for sure. Absolutely, it, yes. If you haven't driven it, once you do, you will go buy one. They really are that good. They're really cool, yeah. But there's other options out there. Mike send us, sent us an addendum here. He checked yep. out the GR Corolla just recently. He says it's impossible to get. The dealer near him sold one of the only ones it had at twenty grand over MSRP. Wait, hang on. Maybe they put like $20,000 worth of ceramic window tint on. I'm sure something. they didn't. That is now, okay, I, we're going to That's drive it lot. more this year. That's a sixty. We've driven it already. Thousand dollar Corolla. That's the key thing. Yuck. That is the key sentence. We've driven it. It's awesome. I'd love to have one. I want to drive one more. I want to put it in more comparisons. All of these things are true, and I am certain that the next time I drive one, I'll like it every bit as much as I did the last time. But sixty thousand dollar Corolla at that price point, you're most of the way there to a slightly used C8 Corvette. You could get yourself a C8 for sixty grand. You I mean, could find one out. You could get even. You, you could get yourself close. a Z06 C7 for sixty grand. Let's see. You can get yourself. Hang on, I'll keep going. You <laughs> oh, can get yourself bummer. a used Evora for sixty grand. I mean, come on, sixty thousand dollars for a Corolla, and I love it. Yeah, but sixty k for a Corolla is insane. That's not even the Mar- sorry. It's not even the Marizo edition. I know. I am freaked out right now. Anyway, sorry. So that car is not happening. Mike test drove the Veloster N, but could not get comfortable in it. Okay. He also test drove the Stinger GT and was impressed. And compared to the Genesis G70, which he also drove, he really liked it and confirmed he really does like hatchbacks. Mm. But he's not sold on the Stinger because it's an automatic and behaves more like an automatic than the Alpha. It does. For sure it does. Definitely. He loves small, light manual cars, but he does activities such as skiing that require practicality for transporting gear, roof rack, and hitch rack, <laughs> is your answer. <laughs> those par- those parts rack, Paul is adding, and they rack. do solve the problem. They really do. I also have to go here, Mike. I have to, I, sorry, I have to start right here. You like small, manual, lightweight cars. <laughs> How tall are you'd you, like Mike? To have, you'd tall like are? to have usability. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> GR Corolla. I mean, a GR uh, 86 or the yeah. BRZ because you can fold the back seats down and open the trunk. And I will say as a guy that is too big for mini cars and also uses very long skis. I did it in my FRS. Yeah, I'm done it in the GR, GR 86. You open up the trunk, you drop the back seats and the skis and boots and poles for you and whoever you're taking with you all fit in that car. They do. And you're a, do. you're a single yeah. guy. 
So you're going to take your most stuff you're ever going to think you need to take anywhere gear wise, with the possible exception of mounting a bike, which is going to need an external rack anyway. And anything you get will go in the GR86. Small, light, manual, covers gear. Thank you very much. (laughs) Just don't go buy it from that dealer. Don't Don't go go there. Yeah, go somewhere else. Yeah, Mm -hmm. find one anywhere else. We recently drove the Elantra N and the Civic Type R. Yes, and the Elantra N is stuck in my brain. That piece is coming soon. Mm-hmm. It's a very soon piece. Yeah. We drove in California. The Elantra N is quite good. Both cars that we drove are 2023s, but guess what? Slightly used. You can go get a 2022 Elantra N with true. a manual. True. Yeah. They are a sedan. They've got plenty of room in the back mm-hmm. seat. Yeah, yeah. The trunk down. You're gonna have to maneuver the skis around the rear cross brace <laughs> in the Elantra N. But fine. Who mm-hmm. cares? Yeah. Yeah. And then you have a brilliant, fun, inexpensive. I think you're going to think to yourself, GTI who? I used to own a GTI. I did. Really? Yeah. I've completely forgotten about it. <laughs> that car will make you forget about GTIs. Interesting statement. Okay. I'm very excited to share that piece because it's a fun one. Civic SI, maybe Type R's are going to be in the same category as GR Corollas. They're going to be impossible to get. They're probably going to be mar- marked up at this Which point. Which is terrifying. We dislike that intensely, but yes. there's nothing we can do about that at this point. We recommend, I, I recommend the Civic Si as an alt, slightly used, even new. They're going to be right within your price point. Well, you know what I thought of? The Civic Si actually got me there, and that is he wants manual transmission, and he likes hatchbacks, and mm-hmm. he likes usability. Get an Integra. Well, there you go. Because the Integra, here's the go. interesting yeah. thing that's happening, is everybody's telling us about that's how good. the Civic Si's are getting marked up. Mm-hmm. The Integra's aren't. And so the price difference between the two is almost getting wiped out by some dealers. And the Integra are a thing you can find. Now, if you watch our test drive on the Integra, we don't like, full disclosure, we don't like the Integra to drive as much as we do the SI. In a vacuum, though, the Integra is really good to drive. It's got a good manual transmission. It's surprisingly fast. It has a really usable hatchback, and it has a nicer interior than the SI ever will. So I actually think you could walk into a dealer and just buy an Integra in six-speed. And get all the usability you want and get, get more usability than the SI that plays to the stuff you like. This is a weird conspiracy theory. But okay. did Honda build the Integra because they knew the Civic SI would be marked up? <laughs> Who they knows? still want the sale. <laughs> <laughs> don't like markup? Come over here and get this for MSRP. Everybody in That's sales funny. knows you don't leave money on the table. That's funny. I, I like it. You I like still it. close the deal. Always be closing, right? You still get that... <laughs> Have you seen our Acura dealership? It's, we have it's still under the same umbrella. Exact same car. <laughs> it's not quite as good, but it's hatchback with a nicer interior. Yeah, that's very funny. I like just it. Just musing. I'm just putting it out there. Mike, I have to acknowledge again, we've already said it. If you like the Julia and it works for your life, just get it. Because the other thing is, I feel like you're, you're projecting a little bit onto this next car, the six years you've had with your GTI. What if you yeah. get the Julia and you love it for a year? Just... Have it for a year. Get, you say you may need to get one a little bit high mileage. What if you just you buy it and think, I'm going to have this experience for a year? Mm. And a year from now, you can make the decision. Do I want to get rid of this? Because it's still awesome. Or, or do I want to keep it a while? I, I do think that six years of GTI is making you think, well, my next car has to last a long time. Does it really? That's true. So there is that question. I think the, the Julia is interesting. Paul's already mentioned great things like roof racks. Roof boxes, roof racks. I do want to speak Same. about the truck real quickly. Uh, you're talking about buying a truck for the possibility of transporting your Miata, but it's not like that's a daily occurrence. 
So except for this is like the grandparents come in twice a year for except that for the times that you're trailing the Miata, guess I love what's happening? Keep going back to that. You're driving a truck. Yeah. And you don't want to drive a truck. So I think you're going to wind up disappointed that you bought a truck because that becomes that you've already kind of said it. That becomes the daily. You're not enjoying it, but you bought it for the purpose of occasionally towing your fun car around. Plus, I don't there's think no that's real a good plan solve. around. It's that not Miata. like I track every weekend. It's and track I prepped need, exactly, but it remains track prepped in your garage. Exactly, it's not something he drives all the time. And also, I get the impression that you could drive it to the track. Probably. So what are we doing? So I don't think that's necessary, but I do want to speak specifically on two things on trucks. First off, and I'm going to get hate letters, and it's fine. The Tacoma is old, and it is surviving on its reputation. And its ergonomics are terrible, and it is time for it to be replaced. Don't get a Tacoma. I know they have bulletproof they reliability. They are good at what they do. Yes, and I know they hang on to their value. I've mm-hmm. heard all the reasons we've driven them. I, I, I have seen Tacomas climb things that lifted off-road prep pickups are tentative to do. Stock, t- stock Tacomas, they're great. I've got a friend who's got a 20-year-old Tacoma, and so, he's been offered money on the spot at stoplights to buy it from him, and he will never let it go. So I understand. Okay. I understand. Yes. But as a daily, when you're talking about comfort and that kind of stuff, I don't think you're going to like the Tacoma. If you're really wanting to shop in that world, the Frontier is surprising. We actually were quite surprised by that. But if you go pickup, I actually have your answer. I think I know. Because it tows a lot, uh-huh. and it's fun to drive, and it's in your price point. You get a Hyundai Santa Cruz. That's it. Because That's it. The, the, here's the thing. Watch our piece where we drove the we drove the Maverick and we drove the Santa Cruz. And our problem with the Santa Cruz is we had the exact right spec and it was forty grand, which is your budget. It's true, true. But we enjoyed driving it in any kind of enthusiast spec situation. We enjoyed driving it. We were like, this is really fun to drive. It's got a good dual clutch. It's really cool. It happened to tow five thousand pounds, which is more than your Miata on its worst day. So if you have to go pick up Santa Cruz is your answer, but I think the answer is not a pickup at all and buy something else. That's pretty good. Well, to the both of you, please keep us posted. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com with your Topic Tuesdays, your car debates, and your car conclusions. You may have noticed we've posted a couple of shorts and we're, we're think, because we're thinking constantly about road trips. Mm-hmm. As, as the snow on the sides of my driveway grows... I'm up to like three feet on either side of the channel down the middle that I keep plowing. So as as the tunnel keeps growing, I keep thinking more and more, also because I'm seeing this footage, of those amazing roads we drive in the summer and fall. Yeah. And so I'm posting little shorts of some of those really iconic moments. And we're talking about road trips and stuff for this year. I do want to point you toward the Adventures tab on our website. Now, it's in process, but... We have three adventures coming up this year. We're going to do two different Rocky Mountain-based adventures. One's going to be the Utah adventure like we've done in the past. Another one's going to be more Rocky Mountain-based. We're excited about both of those, and we are doing pilgrimage. There are tentative months currently and some initial information available on our adventures tab. In the coming weeks, we will lock in those actual dates so you can plan. And I'm saying that because, damn it, Patton wrote in. And he said he cannot wait for this year's meetups. Neither can we, clearly. It's snowing outside, <laughs> yes, and I'm already yes. planning stuff for summertime. He said, as someone who's, for the first time, living through somewhere that gets some winter, because Dammit Patton used to live in Florida, and now he does not. And so he gets <laughs> occasional winter, and he has a GR86, and he's going, how on earth do we, you and I, Paul, cope with not having access to fun cars all winter? 
Watching videos, thinking about and planning the trips. True. Skiing a lot helps. Yes. I'll be honest. Well, but I am loving our GR86 right now on yeah. full winter tires. It's, it's a different experience. And it's so much it's fun. so cool. Yes. Being out there in the rear-wheel drive sports car in a snowstorm, I, I, this is going to sound crazy. I can't describe to you how happy it makes me. <laughs> and I, and I, the, yeah. the things that are the normal drives, because we lose all the fun roads. So the normal commute drives, when everybody is careful stepping, as they should be, careful stepping, and it's crazy weather outside, but I'm getting to do it in a fun car, I just drive around cackling. (laughs) And I'm not even on a cool road. I'm just in a crazy (laughs) experience in a fun car, and that makes me get through. I hear you. There are some good questions. Starting off on Facebook, Matthew H. says, what are your three favorite exhaust notes for Mm. historic vehicles and modern vehicles? Mm. The modern vehicles were a little bit harder because you could easily include all the supercars and the hypercars and all that kind of stuff. But historic vehicles were pretty easy. Okay. First of all, the Porsche 908. Have you ever heard a flat eight at 6,000 RPM? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Don't need to give you a minute? Okay, yeah. The Porsche 917. Also, have you ever heard a flat 12 (laughs) going by? (laughs) Porsches are on your list. That's weird. The last one, though, is Kind of fun because it's the Lamborghini LM002. Oh, yeah. That high-pitched V12 sound shouldn't be coming out of that truck. It's the modern-day equivalent of the Cadillac Escalade V. Yeah, it is. What is that sound doing coming out of that vehicle? Are we sure that sound is matched correctly? <laughs> Did somebody redub that in real life? Yes. That's very funny, yeah. You didn't draw the correct line to the correct match the vehicle with its sound. <laughs> the engineers got it wrong. It's the weirdest thing. You get on one of those things. I was behind one. At Pebble Beach. Okay. And the driver got on it, and it was this high shriek wail. Mm, like, mm. wait, that's a big, heavy truck. That's, that's not right. That's good. That's a good one. That's weird and cool. For my modern vehicles, topping the list is the Cayman GT4 RS. Mm. Oh, my gosh. It does sound really good. Also, the fact that it, it's one of those rare cars that sounds actually better in the cabin. And it doesn't sound bad outside. It's but so in good. the cabin, you're just like... I could be in here by myself all day. I'll be fine. I'm going to go deaf with a smile on my face. Totally. Yeah. I do like the C8 Corvette. All the modern V8s. Yeah, it does sound good. It does sound really good. And up there is the Mustang GT350 too. There's just something so classic about that engine. That has a really unique voice in modern cars. You're right. That's really good. I really like it too. There's others, but Mm -hmm. those really stood out to me. I really like the E-Type. Chuff, 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 it has a chuff, it has chuff, a purr about it. It, it really does, and it's yeah. not it's it's not a loud exhaust. It's really not. You can watch our inspiration piece, but when it kicks on, it's just it's it's inviting and it's interesting. It's like hmm, I want to work with it's, that. It's exhaust. warm and inviting. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. I'll go with that one for sure. I like it. Speaking of our road trip pieces and all of the little shorts we're at, we're we're posting and the little links that we've got to stuff. Anthony Zerg is asking us road trip questions. We had a few of these. I want to talk to them about this a little bit. He said, how many miles do we cover in a day when we're doing our road trips? He, his biggest day he ever had was 550 miles. And he was like, I guess I could have done more, but it was starting to hurt. What, what do we think is the story on that? And, and what makes driving worth it? What, like distance wise and that kind of thing. Anthony, here's a couple of things that go on. First off, we measure out our days a little bit. We, we plan our breaks on these road trips based on how much filming we're going to do. If we're going to be in an area where we're going to film a lot, 250 miles is our day mm-hmm. because we're going to yeah. stop a yeah. lot and do drive-bys and drone and all this kind of stuff. So if we can cover 250 miles in a day like that, that's a lot. If we're doing just transit days, and we've had a few on these road trips, and frankly, they're not that fun, we do six to 700 
on a transit day, just like we have to get stuff We're done. We're booking. We're moving. And like yeah. the day that we went from uh, from here in Utah all the way to San Francisco for the prep day to go west, that mm-hmm. was about 700 miles. When we, we came back from the south trip, we did 700 miles two days in a row. Yeah. So I, I, I don't yeah. recommend this. I'm not saying, yay, us. I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's a lot. Our, our friends at Gears and Gasoline. They've done a lot of huge monster road trips, and that's the thing that makes me tired just watching their trips because they'll do like 15-hour days. I'm like, no, I don't. no part of that's fun. Yeah. The perfect day, I feel like, for us is about 400 to 450 miles. Feels like a good day, especially considering we're not necessarily driving big, comfy cruisers. But a shoot day, 250, and a, a good day, a little over 400. If you have not yet seen our north trip, mm. Cars of the Past, Glacier National Park, Please watch that. That is currently playing on YouTube. We hope you enjoy. It's about 45 minutes long, so take some time. Hopefully, you can share it with some, some friends. Zana Dooskidoo says, is there any chance, quotes, you'll reveal who was in the Sasquatch suit? <laughs> yes, it was yeah. our filmmaker, photographer, videographer chance. And what was cool about it is he wore his green-tinted Oakley sunglasses inside mm-hmm. the head uh, of the suit. Yeah, yeah. And so it kept the the vinyl off of his face, but it also made the eyes of Sasquatch bright green. They were it really was weird. Perfect. Yeah, it was very good, yeah. It was great. So he did a great job walking around. I, I think he really enjoyed that. We I, I think I think Chance enjoyed that more than he expected to. Yeah. We had fun. I had the suit on at one point and decided it would be I, I almost want to go skiing in it on a really cold day. Because it is the single warmest <laughs> thing I've ever put on. So there's a part of me Maybe that just thinks just ahead. I should just go skiing as Sasquatch because I will be the warmest guy on the mountain because it, the suit doesn't breathe. No, That's doesn't. the thing about it. Yeah. It has no ventilation you whatsoever. You will fog up the goggles instantly if totally. you do that, So, yeah, I, I may ski as Sasquatch one day this year just That's to funny. say I did it because it, I, I'll be plenty warm. That's hilarious. Photograshinist on Instagram says, what direction would we like to see the design of electric cars go considering they don't have an engine? Got a lot fewer mechanical parts, and the majority of the mass can theoretically be placed anywhere. Yes. Should EV car makers lean more heavily into new shapes, or do we think people will still want to buy something that, for the most part, resembles traditional ICE vehicles? Mm. I think you've just hit on it, photograshinist, and that is if car makers, designers can come up with wacky stuff. They already sure, do. Sure, On their sure, lunch yeah. breaks, napkin doodles, <laughs> uh, iPhones, iPads, there's always ideas being mm-hmm. thrown around. You We'll never get to see what's in the studio and some wacky stuff that might even make it to, to a concept, mm. but it isn't approved by management because sales is still the goal. It True. still has yeah. to be relatable, yeah, yeah. and the general public, the car buying public, has to understand and relate to it. Mm-hmm. If it's not what a car looks like, but it's a pod or it's a spaceship-looking thing or well, – new. Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> You're such a fan. Yeah. Then it won't appeal to yeah. what they're going after, and that is sales. Unless it is designed to be that, and it's offering a brand new technology or a new range, or it's designed mm-hmm. to be the most slippery car aerodynamically ever invented, mm. well, then, yes, that subset of the buying public will be attracted to it, and therefore they'll meet their goal, their sales goal. Mm. But ultimately, the design team still has sales in the back of their mind. They are still salespeople. They have to be able to design a product that can be sold for a profit. They're yeah. salespeople, yeah, really. Yeah, of course. So what they're designing and drawing, will that appeal? Will that make people come over and want to buy our truck? The Ram looks great. That new BEV Ram looks excellent. Mm-hmm. It's actually really striking, very nice, and they set their own tone, their own design language. And it kind of makes you want to buy it based on looks alone. Yep. The fact that it yep. has a removable uh, screen in it and a bunch of other cool features, great. Thank you. And it's 
going to have great, great range and it's powerful and fast and good storage and do pickup truck things. That's a bonus, but it looks great. You've always talked about the fact that styling always matters. Always. The wild card, though, is there's always people that are like, I think that's great. And others are like, I think that's horrific. So you have to find that, that fine line where enough people think it's interesting to go out sure. and grab it. But okay, Cybertruck, mm-hmm. they know it doesn't appeal to everybody, mm-hmm. but they don't need it to appeal to everyone and therefore <laughs> can take some creative license. Sure. Just like screenwriters yeah. telling a, the original story. This is based on a true story. Yeah, for That's sure. what the mm-hmm. Cybertruck is. It's based on a true story of pickup trucks everywhere. <laughs> it's based on a true story, something we're going to actually sell. Yeah, right. And hopefully we will. We'll see. Yeah, uh-huh. Another question we had about our road trips, uh, Johnny Hale asked, actually asks about our support vehicle. And here's the thing. We try to make these road trips look really big. It's three cars. It's our two cars and one support vehicle that is typically has a camera mounted in the front, and we've kind of fine-tuned that over the course of these four trips. So we have one follow car that is covering all of the – you'll see all the rear shots of the car going along, or even when it's a front shot of the two cars. That's always shot from the singular support vehicle, and it keeps us a really small footprint, and it means that the entire trip and crew is three of us. Mm-hmm. Geese 1 RBM asks what we think about buying a used car that's been modified. Mm. Geese was looking at a new daily and found a 2019 Fiesta ST, just under 37,000 miles, but it's got a lot of performance mods. However, the current Mm. owner is a Ford mechanic and went and looked at the car. It's in great shape. The test drive was great. It comes with separate sets of winter and summer wheels and tires. The oil has been changed. He felt really good when talking to the owner. He was knowledgeable and gave me all the pros and cons of the car, he writes. That sounds great. So they made a deal. He's picking up the car soon, but is he asking for trouble since it isn't stock? You know, having pre-existing mods was a real red flag before he went to look at the car, but Mm. after seeing and talking to the owner, he's feeling much better. You're hitting on exactly that. You cannot make a blanket statement about a modded car being either good to drive or good to buy Mm -hmm. or stay away. Bad, Bad bet. It very much depends on the owner and... Listening to the reactions, reading body language, looking at all the records, telling, tell me, what did you do with the car? Why did you mm-hmm. mod it this way? Mm-hmm. What, what did the mod give the car? Did you use that mod to go racing? Okay, so you raced it really hard. Okay, tell me more. Yeah, yeah. It really is a relationship, and it comes down to that one single car because that is it unique. Yes. As it is modified, it is unique to that car, and the best thing you can do is everything you did. Drive it. Talk to the owner. Mm-hmm. Look at the records everything. And if you do get a good feeling, well, then yes. Well, and look, I'll directly relate it to to my own car purchasing. The Lotus that I've owned since 2017, which I cannot believe that's the case, coming up on six years ago. It's amazing that I've had that car that long. But when I bought it, back when all Lotuses were 30 grand, it had modifications to it. And it was listed, and it had been listed for a while because the, the listing flat out said, this was our track car. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people were like, stay away. And it was high miles for an Elise. I bought it at like 50,000 miles, which for, for at the time. Was it that high? Yeah, it was like 50, 53,000. I no put kidding. about 20,000 on it, which I love, which I put on even more. But Amazing. The, the changes they'd done were things I was thinking about doing. They'd done better end links, which is a problem for people that track the car. Mm-hmm. They'd done baffled oil pan, which is a problem for people that track the car because it was their track car. And they'd put on really good aftermarket coilovers, like the ones that everybody puts on. I was like, if I bought a Lotus and was going to do stuff to it, that was my list. I mean, that's where, as a seller, you don't get your money back. True. <laughs> but but I ended up being the perfect buyer because I wasn't concerned about the fact that it had mm-hmm. been tracked. I was going to track it anyway. It wasn't in perfect uh, cosmetic condition, but that's okay. I was going to drive it. And the, and the modifications they'd done had been done for tracking purposes, done right, and they picked the ones I would pick. It's like, well, that's my car, and yeah. it's been amazing. Geese, buyer beware still exists here. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. There's yeah. still no guarantees, 
But like Todd's experience, like the experience you're having, if you do get a good feeling and you talk through with the owner and you understand about the car and you can get a real good sense of how it drives, you can also, a lot of times you can tell, well, this car seems modified and the original parts were put back because it seems sloppy and doesn't feel original at all and you know you can kind of tell that <laughs> you open the hood the and stuff's end. been done badly with electrical tape it's like yeah we're gonna go away yeah here we go but this owner was a ford mechanic yeah yeah the end that was his baby mm-hmm. i i don't think you're gonna have too many problems there's always gonna be something you yeah, cannot make yeah. a blanket statement but wishing you well with your new purchase and thank you all for joining us we really appreciate it you know where to write us mm-hmm. we look forward to hearing your car debates send send those into us and we're looking forward to a lot of fun this year cheers everyone